0: It's time for JT the brick. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. The Raiders can hit the lottery on defense. They really are. They're holding a lottery ticket. If everybody is nuts enough to jump in and decide to go quarterback, 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 then the Raiders are three picks away. And I think there are five to six defensive players in the draft that are all home runs. I think if they can get four defensive starters who are young and they let them play, and two of them are elite and two of them are very good, then I think the Raiders could have a completely different look for the entire franchise. So the Raiders are doing their due diligence. That's Captain Obvious stuff. JT the Brick. All these mock drafts are crazy. all you're going to hear from me for the next three weeks. Give me the best defensive player available at number seven. But in my position in this seat, I'm going to be Mr. Positive in April and May. Okay, I'm not going to your sports bar and walking in and saying this team sucks. Find another guy. I'm sure there's plenty in town. Let that sink in. And now...
1: With the seventh pick, the Las
2: Vegas Raiders select JT the Brick.
0: All right, JT with you, just finished up my three-hour Mad Dog show today, and I go right to Dave Ziegler speaking live at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the GM of the Silver and Black. And helping us through
1: the evaluation process when we bring prospects here on site, our nutrition, cafeteria, uh, again, all put in overtime work as we're having people come in and out of the building throughout the month um, for our 30 visits and, and those types of things. And then our families, um, and, and and you know there's a lot of sacrifice that our families go through throughout the fall, especially through our college guys being on the road, but also all our in-house uh, our in-house people, um, my family included, um, Cam, Gigi, Asher. They want to make sure I, I mention their name here uh, in front of the audience. They've been helping me. Uh, Cam has a, a lot of draft. Opinions on what we're going to do here this year as a seven-year-old. So um, I got to I got to fight him down, just like I got to fight you guys down. He wants to know who we're picking, where are we going, are we going to stay on the defensive side of the ball? Some of the same stuff you'll be asking today. So, um, but just really um, really proud, um, really impressed. Um, and excited about the group of people that we have working here. Um, we're still developing a cohesiveness as a team as, uh, as we're evolving in the first year together and, and really excited on, on where it's going. So that's all I have. I'll turn it over to, to, to you all to answer um, questions. We'll make Hondo go last um, <laughs> since uh, he disrupted this thing.
2: Dave, as you do put up, uh, kind of wrap this process up, Get ready for Thursday. Uh, you got 12 picks. A lot of those are at the top of uh, every round. Uh, do you feel looking at this body of players that you're in a pretty good position to, to add multiple players that are going to be able to help pretty quickly um, starting next season?
1: Yeah, that's the hope. And I think when you're picking on the top, you know, where, we're, where, where we are at in some of these rounds that – um, yeah, you hope that you're able to find some guys that are going to impact the team, and you know, selfishly, we want to do it throughout the whole draft. But you know, I think we're in a, a good position with the number of picks that we have and where we're picking, um, to, you know, to find some some players that are going to come in here and have a positive impact on the team. Dave, it, it, I'm sure that as the draft progresses through each round, it dictates what you're able to do, changes your strategy, right? But Looking at it right now, there's no changes. It's status quo. What is the priority? What is the direction you want to go when you're looking at the seventh pick? You're not trading up. You're not. Yep. Where you're at, where's the Raiders' priority? Yeah. I think the priority is, is finding one, someone that's going to have an impact. You, know, you want to find a starting-level player at that spot. There, there's no doubt about that. And, and I think along with that, you want to find a player um, that fits, um, one, um, hopefully fits a need that you have right? I mean, you're going, we're going to look at the best available players, but we also have a lot of places on this team where we can add competition and we can add people that can help our roster. Um, and we want to find a player that fits our what we look for in a Raiders player. We want to find someone that has a passion for football. We want to find someone that, um, you know, is, is someone that um, has some upside, that has some explosiveness to their game, um, that that can that can impact the game in a positive way. And that's going to fit our organization, I'd say, and have a positive impact on the organization as a person, too. Um, so those are some of the things that, you know, we'll be dialed in on. With
3: that being said, what's the process like? Because uh, we, we all do the mock drafts and we all have different opinions and, you know, it always plays out differently. How many times do you guys run through it, like just a, a try, trial run, just to see how it shakes out? And well, if this happens, then this is how we can react.
1: Who have you selected?
3: <laughs> many different players. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's a kind of it's it's a, when we're, you know, when we're going through our draft meetings, um you know, we just finished up about 15 straight days of draft meetings. Those conversations are fluid as you're kind of, you're going through the board, you're going through different positions, you're looking back at the the order of the draft and and how things will fall from a strategic standpoint. And so it's it's I wouldn't say it's a, a, as much for us as like we're going to structure this one day and we're going to work through a mock process. Some people do that. Ours is really fluid. Um I just came down from a conversation in that regard and so it happens as you're going through the board and you're going through the positions and you start to look at the board I'd say from a horizontal nature you start to have those those things start to pop up organically and you have a lot of those conversations
4: is there an inherent pressure to use the pressure to get it right
1: yes I want to get 12 I want to get 12 12 contributing players you know? And so, um, yeah, we put that pressure on, on ourselves and I put that pressure on, on myself and Josh puts the pressure on himself. And just as a, as a, as a scouting department, we feel that pressure in a good way because um, I think that pressure drives you. You know, it drives you when you're when you're meeting for 15 straight days. um, You know, there there's a a monotony that can you know that you could let grow in, but um, I think that pressure, that motivation to get it right, that motivation to improve the team, though that's the pressure that that keeps us um, you know keeps us pushing and keeps us focused and dialed in.
2: Yeah, he's brought Jimmy Garoppolo in. Does that? you know, lessen any urgency that you might have at the top of the draft to bring in a quarterback?
1: Not necessarily. Um, I think that, you know, anytime you can find a young player at that position that's going to have an impact on your team, you have to keep an open mind to that. Of course, we're excited to have Jimmy, and having Jimmy um, does supply us with a a very high-quality starting player at the position. And so um, we feel comfortable with that. But I think to close that door, you know, and just say that that's not something you would do because of X, Y, and Z, um, that's not the business that we're in.
3: Last year in the draft, you invested your first round, or not first round pick, but first pick in the draft on an interior swing uh, offensive lineman. Uh, fast forward today, sitting at number seven, you could potentially draft another offensive lineman that's very versatile and Peter Skaronsky. Can you just talk about, without diving too much into valuation versus evaluation on what he brings to the table, but what you look for in the NFL traits when it comes to evaluating,
4: evaluating offensive line and um, in that aspect?
1: Sure. Um, well when you when you talk about Skoronsky and, and then you talk about um, Dylan. You know, you're talking about two players that have multi-position versatility. And, you know, we've talked about the value of that versatility. You only get so many players that you can take to the game. And so having players that can do different things and fill different spots, that increases a player's value. Um, and, and um, you know, while he's played left tackle at, at Northwestern, you you see a player that can play tackle. You see a player that has, a I would say, um, a play style that could go in and play guard too. Uh, and, and so when we're so so that's attractive about him. Offensive lineman um, intelligence is important. You know, versatility is important. Um, I also think like just in general, the ability to pass protect, uh, you know, that that in run blocking is important, too. But I think um, you, you have to have a certain skill set to be able to to be. Um, a solid pass protector in the NFL from an athletic standpoint. And so I think those are, that's an important trait when you're, when you're differentiating between guys is, you know, some of the ability to pass protect. Dave, you're a week out from the draft and I'm curious, is all the hay in the barn, are you still evaluating? Can there be paralysis by analysis? Where do you sit? What's your philosophy? Yeah, I'm still working. Yep. And we'll work up until the day of the draft. And so I wouldn't say it's a, um, a an over. It's not necessarily a paralysis paralysis by analysis type of thing. It's not hey, let's watch four more games on this specific player. It's more at this point we we have the board in some pockets and there's some groups of players at different parts of the board. So it might be hey, let's look at let's take a look at um, you know these three players or these four players. Um, dive back into it let's look at the, maybe these specific traits that we're looking for that we maybe had a difference of opinion on and those types of things so it's more of a I'd say a quality control check in a focused manner at this point rather than just kind of like hey let's watch all six games again type of thing that's not really where we're at at this point so we're getting closer but we'll, we'll keep kind of putting in some work here all the way up until um, you know we're ready to go on Thursday. I know in the past you've talked about,
3: uh, you know, when you first came mentally, you were scouting cornerbacks. I know early in the offseason you said that you felt like the secondary might be the deepest position in the draft. How much fun were just how much enjoyment have you taken in evaluating these cornerbacks and these defensive backs in this draft line?
1: Um, a lot. I enjoy it. Um, just, you know, the athletic component of playing that position, um, I think is always there. There's, you know, it's fun to watch for me. Uh, and seeing how different guys play different matchups, um, you know in, in college. It's a little bit different because um, Everybody plays in a different conference. Everybody sees a different set of receivers It's not like in the NFL where week in and week out you're seeing a number one or your number two And so there's a little bit it makes it a little bit more difficult. You have to be really focused in on the level of competition um, But yeah, I always enjoy it. They come in different shapes different sizes You know guy, you have guys that can only you know play mostly on the perimeter guys that can play inside and outside more man guys, more zone guys. So I always think it's fun just putting those pieces together of the puzzle and seeing which of those types of players, you know, are going to ultimately fit best for our system. Dave,
5: you guys hosted several quarterbacks on visits. Yep. Um, obviously, Jimmy's going to be your starter this year in, in barring injury. Uh, do you guys feel, do you feel like you guys are in a situation where you can, you know, be comfortable taking a player that probably isn't going to be able to play right away?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, and, and I think it goes back just to the value of the position. And 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 um, and I think and so I think that's important. I think, you know, doing your due diligence on all those guys is important, too. Um, uh, and, and I don't know. Um, obviously, we're in a position where uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks at the beginning of this process. You could say, hey, you don't know how it's going to fall. You know, there's four or five, six guys that we're going to do work on and, you know, that could fall to us or, or, or be there at seven. And so um, we did our due diligence because of that. But but I also think, yeah, the value of that position and having a young guy, um, you know, that can that can come in and play and contribute, we see where those contracts have gone on quarterbacks too. So there's obviously an advantage of having, you know, someone on a rookie, uh, a quarterback on a rookie uh, contract in terms of roster construction and those types of things. And so, like I mentioned at the beginning, I think just closing that door, I think, is irrespective responsible to do that.
2: What have you learned about uh, Jalen Carter in this process? Do you believe it's a more complicated issue for the Raiders than for another
1: team? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. For me, it's not, Adam, in terms of more complicated. I think, you know, looking at Jalen, we looked at Jalen like every other player um, that's in the draft and, and, and doing our due diligence on all aspects of the player from football learning, from practice habits, um, from the personal side of things, on the field, off the field, um, how people interact, how they interact with people, how they treat people, um, you know, their experience at the Pro Day Combine, all of those different aspects. Um, I don't think we, um, we want to cheat the process with any prospect in that regard. We want to hit those bases for each individual prospect. And then, of course, on some prospects, it's deeper. Right, there's just more things to look at and, and more things to consider based on you know their situation and so um, Jalen in, in that regard was um, you know, similar and to a lot of players in the draft and you know feel very comfortable with the work that we've done on him.
0: This is Dave Ziegler's press conference ahead of the draft you 're listening to Raider Nation Radio.
1: No, no we haven't ruled anything out in that regard and, and, and we won't. Um, you know, and, and whether that's in the, for pick number seven, or if that's pick 100, you know, we'll take every pick individually, um, assess the situation, what makes most sense for us instead of, in terms of staying firm and picking or moving up or moving back. And so that's kind of philosophically, that's, that's how we operate. When
2: when you're talking about that first round, sorry about that, um, you know, maybe moving up in the first round, uh, and and considering some of the needs that you have, how do do you, is that, does one outweigh the other?
1: yeah and I think that's what you have to weigh and and you have to understand in that in that situation just the the um, landscape of the first round and you have to there's a lot that goes into that understanding the gap between you know the second rated corner on your board or the Um, the 2nd rate defensive tackle versus the fourth defensive tackle or the second tight end on the board versus the third tight end on the board? What's that gap in terms of skill? What's that gap in terms of where you think you could potentially draft that player? If you're trading up in the draft, how many players could that potentially take you out of? And so there's a lot of that mechanics. And and there's some guessing to that, obviously, because we don't know. But there's a lot of those conversations that you have to – um, you have to work through before Thursday and have an understanding of at least what you would be willing to do. Dave, I
0: guess kind of follow up on what you were saying right there. It's, it's interesting with the event, the process of this whole draft. Um, is there ever a tendency to try to outthink the room? Hey, I, I know this guy's going to do this. I think this guy, where, where it could be maybe dangerous or not advisable or something, where you try to be smarter than you really should be?
1: In terms of what other teams may do? Yeah yeah, I think you can. You can overthink some things and and because there is a level of of guesstimation in regards to what people are in their building are thinking, you know, and how how they view their own roster, too. You know, you may feel like a team's strong at a certain at a certain spot on their roster or like the totality of one position, the running back position, or whatever it may be. and they don't feel that comfortable. And so you you can overthink and, and, and kind of guess yourself into, Maybe a a decision that um, you know isn't the right decision at that time and so that's why you have to take all of that with a grain of salt and we try to do our own work in house you know we spend a lot of time on team needs Um, our pro department does an excellent job you know led by Dwayne joseph in terms of really studying the teams that's something they do all year round is study not only what their needs are but what their draft philosophies are uh, you know what they've done leading up to the draft and things like that too try to have his best educated guess on on what those different teams may do. But um, you can't outthink yourself. There's no doubt about it. And you have to be smart in that way. Dave, a lot of general managers, best player available, who I'm taking. Other guys say, hey, if I'm full at that position, I'll slide. What is the Dave Ziegler mentality of draft? Yeah, I think um, we we talked about it last year. We're focused on taking the best player available. I think – you know, where our rosters at you know and and our want to improve competition at every position and um, that leaves us open to that now i would also say and i would caveat that by saying when you talk about best available player um, best available player there's a lot of different things that encompass that it's not just tape and so it's the best fit for the raiders um, and and there's different things that go into that whether it's you know the football intelligence piece Um, football character there's different things that go into that what that makes that player the best available player for each individual organization I think that sometimes can get lost and so that's what it means for us Uh, the best available player that's the best player for the Raiders organization and fits what we're looking for and um, we're going to keep we're going to stay true to that process and stay open to that.
5: A lot of versatility between the different types of cornerbacks in this class. Christian Gonzalez, Javon Woods, and Joy Porter Jr. What are some traits that you look for in terms of starting outside cornerbacks that
1: you value? Um, I think one of the biggest things is, is, is guys that can um, affect the passing game by making plays on the football. I think that's a trait that you want to see. And it doesn't always materialize in college stats, though, um, because a lot of guys are asked to play a certain type of way. And, and that's part of the, the difficulty in maybe evaluating the position. You may... Watch a guy that David doesn't have much ball production because they've asked him to play a bunch of cover three, and he's playing you know seven eight yards on the ball. But then when you look at his athletic traits, his short area quickness, his explosive burst, his speed, that's the level of projection that you have to make. But I think people that can make an impact on the ball is important. Um, you know, I think for us, um, we we have a little bit more diversification in our coverages in terms of both playing zone and playing in some man schemes. So uh, uh, guys that can play man coverage, guys that you can see have a feel at the top of routes to match routes and stay in phase and those types of things. And also, I'd say press technique, um, which is something I think you can improve on. But just a, a, a player's ability to play with patience at the line of scrimmage, um, ability to affect the route and disrupt the route um, from, a, from a man-to-man situation um, are a couple of the traits that we look for. And there's also the aspect I think that gets lost is tackling. You know, you still have to be able to tackle. You know, you get edge runs. You get, especially, um, you know, the games become a little bit more horizontal, not as many vertical runs, you know, straight down the, the middle of the formation. And so guys that can show up and tackle, I think that's, um, you know, that's that's still an attractive trait for us too.
0: This is Raiders general manager Dave Ziegler's press conference.
1: Had
3: production in college and guys who you think have the, they project to be the, that guy, you know, they have the potential to, to have that production on the next level.
1: Yeah, you have to be careful, you know, and, and I think that's because you can, uh, project something that's not there when you, you know, you project too much. And so I think you have to take all things into account too. And that's why, whether it's um, going from the, the game film to maybe a senior bowl practices um, or another all-star games practices or, you know, taking the combine and looking at some of the, the things that were, they were done there. Maybe their ability to make plays on the ball because you didn't get to see them catch the football a lot. So you just take all those puzzle pieces that are made available to you to help in that projection. But I think it's it's something you still have to be careful with.
3: Go, let's
1: go, Heidi, Cassie, Chris, and Willie. Hi. Hi. I was just curious for you in your second year as a general manager now after last year's draft. Just how much a uh, difference there is for you in the process of going through this, or how much more comfortable are you this year in that from last year to mm-hmm. this year? Definitely more comfort. You know, anytime you're, uh, you're you know you're the first year on the job. Um, you know, you're, there's a lot of different things to get used to. Um, last year was the first time I had worked with our group going through this process, and now we're kind of in year two, and so you have a little bit of a better understanding. Um, The guys have a little bit of a better understanding of what we're looking for. Um, So there was less teaching going on, uh, more just getting into the nuts and bolts of the film, the nuts and bolts of the evaluation process. Um, Many more people speaking the same language and things of that nature. And, And so that all has led to just a more comfortable, I'd say, clear, fluid process for us. Uh, And, you know, again, the results, it doesn't guarantee any results, but um, we definitely feel um, confident in what we've done and we feel, uh, I feel confident in in the group that we have and, and, and the level of comfort's high. Hey Dave, Uh, I'm just
0: wondering, how often, or uh, you say your son, right, even tries to give you some of his draft picks. I'm wondering, how often do guys on the current roster try to vie for their former teammates and just kind of get your ear on them? And then vice versa, how often do you go to your current players Mm -hmm. to get more insight on maybe somebody that you're interested in, to just get a different sort of perspective on that player?
1: Yeah, to answer the second question, uh, that's definitely a resource we utilize. Um, Guys that are on our team, currently on our roster that have played with different guys in the draft, those are um, conversations we we're, we're going to have during the process that, that we have had also, and so yeah, it's a valuable it's a valuable resource because they've been um, with those players in a more um, a more detailed way than we have. They've seen them practice, they've seen some guys grow, you know, throughout their time that they spent with them in college, and so definitely a lot of value in that. Um, in terms of the players' opinions. Uh, they're all pretty, the, there's some that are a little bit more, um, play scout a little bit more than others. Um, and they're, they're generally pr- pretty sly about it. They're, they're not overly overt. It's more like, hey, what did you think about so-and-so at, you know, whatever school, South Carolina. Hey, did you watch him? Did you visit him? I, yeah, he, I played with him, you know. And so they're, they're, there's, there's more of that interjection from certain scouts uh, that are on our 50, you know, well now our 90-man roster than others, but um, at the same time, you know, um, keep an open mind, keep an open ear, um, you know, and and um, um, take it with a grain of salt.
4: It seems
0: to be a pretty impressive uh, class of tight ends, and I was just curious what you, what your thoughts are of the the two local kids that played high school ball, that Dalton Kincaid and Darnell Washington. If I, it might be going too deep in the weeds to have you answer that, but. Have you looked at these two guys? And what are, what are their traits?
1: Yeah, two good football players. Um, again, two local people that have went uh, went into the college, went to good football programs too, and and had success at two good football programs, which um, says a lot in itself. To go to Georgia and, and you know and go to Utah and 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 earn starting roles and be highly productive players at those two schools um, says a lot about those two players. Different styles of players. Um, obviously, Darnell's a much bigger, longer, um, has a size to kind of. Be a force in line as a point of attack blocker and he also has size and length as a receiver and um, I'd say Dalton uh, obviously his strength has been in the passing game and you know um, has been really productive as a route runner and um, you know being able to get open at different levels of the field and you know still developing as a run blocker they didn't ask him to run block a lot but he has a willingness to do that and so yeah two impressive kids that have had great college careers that um, look like they have a chance of you know being um, really productive NFL players also. Dave, you uh, answered Vinny and Tashawn's questions about quarterbacks and saying you're not going to close the door. You have to sort of just wait it out, see if any of those guys happen to drop. And when I asked you about priority, you gave me some characteristics, guys that could come in and start, compete, and character. Are you open to that means that if, if the right guy drops, does that mean that Jimmy G could have some competition? Yeah, I think we're open to having competition at, at the quarterback position and every other position on the roster. I think that – we're never going to close the door on that, just philosophically the way that um, Josh and I believe that we're going to build this roster is um, we're going to – any any opportunity um, that we have a chance to improve the competition, and if that means it's at the quarterback position and there's a competition there, we think that brings out the best of our players. And, and so I think that that's why we wouldn't close the door on um, – I talked about some of the different reasons we wouldn't close the door on that specific position, um, but I don't think we'd ever look at it, you know, necessarily and say, hey – just because this one player is here at this position that we have to cancel ourselves out of, you know, drafting another high level player at at, at any position on the roster. We're
4: going to do three more. We'll go Ed, Vinny, and then Adam. I assume last year you and Josh were on the same page for most things. and those times you might not be. I assume you have the final say. Can you take us through something like that if you're just not on a page with whether you're scouts or Josh and how those conversations go?
1: Yeah, um, well, I'd say, like, just through our process of how we work up to Thursday, um, Josh and I, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, the last kind of week leading up to the draft, ironing and ironing out those different things and, and so we won't we won't have a situation where we're actually in the draft room and a pick is there and we're, we're on two different pages. We'll have ironed all those things out prior to getting to that point and so um, you know there'll, there'll be some there'll be some debates to get to that point on certain things but um, we'll work through all that throughout you know by the time we get to the draft and we'll be ready to go. Uh,
2: there's been a lot of talk about this s2 test. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a uh, tool that you feel is valuable and one that you guys utilize? And then also, you started your pro, uh, offseason program on Monday. Josh Jacobs isn't here; hasn't signed his uh, his franchise tag. Uh, any concern with that, or do you feel like there's a path available for you guys to find common ground and work something out?
1: Um, yeah, in, in terms of the um, S two cognition test, we're familiar with it. It's not something that we you know currently utilize here. We use a lot of different. You know, other available tools for us evaluating quarterbacks and other positions, different psychological tests, things of that nature. That that you know that we um, that we value. Um, so I don't have. I know um, some. You know what what it is and and some of the value of it. But you know, like I said, not something that we currently have in place here. Um, was that the? Josh. Oh, and, and in terms of Josh, like you said, yeah, he hadn't signed the tender yet. So um, obviously he's not allowed to, you know, be by NFL rules, be here for the, this portion of the offseason program. But we're going to continue to work, you know, through that situation. And um, as I've mentioned before, you know, I'm not going to really do the contract negotiation and those types of things in the, in the public eye. I just don't think that's responsible to do or fair to do for um, any of the parties involved. And so we'll just keep working through that process and see where it goes.
2: I was gonna ask about Josh, but I think on a maybe on a more general level, do you think the, the running back scale needs to be looked at in a certain way? Like it seems like smart teams are not guaranteeing like long term contracts to running backs because that's probably the smart thing to do. But running backs are you know have a shorter shelf life, they they go, go through this grind. Like do you think that needs to be looked at at some point?
1: Looked at in terms of the,
2: the pay scale, I guess, in terms of maybe getting them paid sooner or something along those lines not affecting the cap as much for running backs? Like
1: that's above my that's 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 not. Those aren't the weeds that I want to get into right now. Um, I would just say this. Um, you know, in terms of the running back position, obviously it's 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 a physical position to play, and 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 um, it's one of the more f- physical positions to play in football. Those guys take a lot of hits. Um, they're often carry the ball and touch the ball more than other skill players and things like that. And so, um, it's a tough position to play. And and um, in terms of like getting into the you know the pay scale and w- what it could be or should be. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna leave that one alone. All right,
0: well, wrap it up. Thank you guys. All right, everybody, that was Dave Ziegler. That was a deep dive. huh? How about that? Dave Ziegler gave you 28-plus minutes there of Raider talk on the draft, and a lot of it, again, those are tough press conferences for a GM because they're not going to tell you anything. They're not telling you who the pick is. They're not going to lean towards the pick. They shouldn't lean towards the pick, and you should have no idea who they're picking. But he gave you the process, and I think that's different. If you listen to Dave Ziegler, you should like Dave Ziegler. Again, there should be no negative comment. There shouldn't be any of that. This is the guy you got to get behind if you're a Raider fan. I think he handles these press conferences, these one-on-ones. When we sit down with him, he does an excellent job. He's new to this. He's a two-year GM. Uh, Last year, he started with Devontae Adams as major pick. Dylan Parham as his first pick in the draft in the third round. Now he's loaded, and he's going into the draft, and he gave you the process there and what they're doing. Uh, Make no debate on this topic. The Raiders are ready for the draft. There's going to be no excuses here, and other GMs have been ready for the draft. The amount of work that you have to do to be in an NFL building with that type of title, to be a scout, to be the assistant GM, it's nonstop work. They have done the work. Now let's see what they do. 702-365-9200. We'll get to a couple of calls. Also, I have another mock draft insider on, and there's breaking news in the NFL. Five players, four from Detroit, have been suspended for gambling. Big story, obviously, based in Vegas when you hear gambling in the NFL. We'll tell you that breaking news story when we come back. 702-365-9200 and Raiders Roundtable next hour as we kick off a Friday. Brought to you by P.T.'s.
4: Here's my understanding of how this went down. The three players that are suspended at least a year, suspended indefinitely, uh, were believed to have gambled on NFL games. Obviously, that is what we saw with Calvin Ridley as well. That's what warranted the major suspension. That is why those players have the ability to reapply, but only after a year. The two players, uh, which are Stanley Berryhill and which are Jamison Williams, they are believed to have gambled on college games, but from their facility or from another place associated with their NFL team, perhaps the locker room, perhaps the bus, that also is not allowed. And, and, you know, that is a, a part of this rule that I think there's a lot of education being done on right now with agents and teams disseminating info, letting players know that even though it is a college game, they're not allowed to place a bet on it if it is from the facility or if it's something associated with the team. So that is why it breaks down that way as far as the specifics of why these four players? Uh, that, as of right now, is unknown. But what we know, five players, including four lines, significant suspensions for violations of the NFL's gambling policy.
0: That's Ian Rappaport, NFL Network JT, back with you. We're brought to you by Resorts World. I'll be there throughout the weekend. A lot happening at Resorts World. The vision of Scott Sabella to have sports gambling in the sports book. Great. Go on out to Doghouse Saloon. you got to be pretty stupid to be an NFL player in bet you got to be pretty dumb to be an NFL player and gamble on the team bus, gamble on football, college or pro. You know you can't do that. This could affect the Lions in the draft, and the Lions pick right before the Raiders. (laughs) This is a big deal. Massive storyline, and we're in Vegas where gambling has been legal longer than anywhere else. Big story. Everybody will be talking about it throughout the next couple of days here, and a good player goes out a first-round pick from last year from Detroit. Raider man. Good to hear from you. Thanks for jumping in ahead of the draft. How are
5: you? Hey, right on, JT. You know I appreciate you, brother, man. I appreciate being able to jump on in. You know what I mean? I, I was listening in as best as I could. It's been hectic around here on the job piece, corporate auditing and all. And shout out to my boss. I, don't, I'm not, I didn't get him to be a listener yet. But his last day was Wednesday. You know, that feels horrible when you, you knock your tail off of somebody and then all of a sudden they lose their position. So just respect to the man that was teaching me to track the cra- craft, and uh, I'm hoping he land on his feet. Um, I just wanted to shout out, man, because I also heard about, you know, Big John Vela, and, you know, that's that's a tough one, man. All our OGs you know, it's coming that time. We all got an a end date, but, you know, you just want to try to appreciate people while they're alive and, you know, hopefully doing as well as possible. But I heard everything wasn't great, so I just wanted to, you know, shoot some good vibes out there and just say I love him, you know, regardless of whatever the case may be, man, because that brother came in and held it down for us, you know, being a second round pick. I think he was drafted at like number 43 or whatever. You know, some great picks in that, in that, in that. That realm or in that area of the draft, and I hope we mess around and we get our next John Villa uh, out of this draft. You know, maybe particularly like somebody like a Cody Mock. You know, somebody like that. I really like that dude. But uh, I even like the Roderick Jones dude. But anyway, I'm not even here to talk about that. I wanted to talk about just you know, you touched on the Oakland A's thing also, and. You know, this thing's breaking my heart. You know, it's not just because of the fact that they squatted on my Raiders and all that stuff and everything that happened in the Coliseum. You know, we were all together battling through that thing, and it was heartbreak t- hotel for over a decade. You know, it just the saddest thing about it is when greedy people just want a whole stake, and I ain't got no names to throw on. It's not about attacking people. But I think about those meetings that we went to. I, I literally got pictures with my with my eldest son hugged up and taking pictures with, with city officials over there where they, you know, slapping backs and shaking hands and telling us mm-hmm. our faces everything was going to be okay just to have them, you know, pissing to the wind and have it land directly on our cheek. And it just sucks. It really, really sucks what's happening to this organization. Uh, To this area, you know, Oakland's dealing with an identity crisis, pulling all these championship teams out of here, and you can see it. I was screaming that from the minute of the day that the -hmm. the, uh, the Raiders moved away. It's losing identity. And it's causing a lot of robberies. It's causing a lot of animosity in the city. And it's not helping anything. So, shout out to my brother, Man Sisko, our president of the Black Hole. He reached out to me recently. And we're looking forward to putting some things together for the community up there in Oakland. Hopefully bridge some things with our uh, Richmond Raiders chapter and the OGs of the Black Hole. And try to get some positivity going. I don't really know what's cooking yet, but it's going to smell good when we get to the grill. So, I just want to make sure I put some precursors out there, man, because we're not giving up on this town. I'm not. I'm from Richmond. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I wasn't born and raised in Oakland. But I put so much blood and sweat and tears into that city, and damn it, our fans deserve better. We really, truly, just deserve better. So, you know, I'm hoping that we're going to this. I'm changing the subject. I'm gonna get upset about that. All right, I got I hope you. We're going to this draft, and we get us a guy with our number one pick, uh, from what uh, Dave Ziegler was describing, I kind of like number nineteen out of TC, uh, Texas Tech, uh, Tyree Wilson. Mm-hmm. He's a big frame. He's not grown into his man strip yet, but he got that motor, uncanny uh, athleticism, mm-hmm. and he's got a hell of a, a ability to lead. I think he'll be a great bookend for uh, Max Crosby and help us push forward. So, right. I hope we do some dirt, man. Talked to one of, I'll see you when I'm looking at you, J.J. You got it, man. Thanks, Raider
0: man. I appreciate it. For all the fans in Oakland on the day's news, I spoke my mind yesterday. Johnny Katz wrote a big column. Uh, Johnny Katz, our entertainment reporter, he's on this show all the time. He wrote a big column after talking to Mark Davis yesterday. So you can go find that content, as we said. If people are upset about Oakland losing teams, feel free to call me. Feel free to call me. That's a topic of sports radio that I definitely want. But as I repeated yesterday... Uh, I, we are not the flagship of the Oakland A's. The old Oakland A's who squatted on the Raiders with the 10-year lease will not squat on my radio show for two hours. You do whatever the hell you want on other stations, the Oakland Athletics will not squat on my radio show every day. This is not a platform for Oakland A's talk for something that might or might not happen. But what Raider Man said has a lot to do with the culture of Oakland and what's happening there. Luke Easterling, kind enough to join us late. He wrote about this gambling issue. We'll get to it at the end, and he's got a new mock draft out. He's from Athlon, really good. Luke, quickly, thanks for joining us. I want to begin like I've been doing with all my guests. Where do you stand on the quarterbacks, one and two, and right after that?
3: Yeah, it's, it's always more fun when we have so much uh, intrigue around that position at the top of this draft, right? And, and you do have, have the, the top tier, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I still lean Bryce Young. Uh, for me, the size is just not enough of an issue when you actually just watch him play football. Um, you know, the, the, the comparison that always floats out there right now is Steph Curry, right? He's the Steph Curry of playing quarterback. That's kind of how he looks out there. He's, he's smaller than everybody else, but it never matters. You know, he's just able to do... All of the things that actually matter when it, when it comes to playing quarterback at a high level, the anticipation, the accuracy, the decision-making maneuver in the pocket, outside the pocket when things break down. Can you stay calm and poised and make plays down the field? He can just do it all, and he can do it at such a high level that the fact that he's smaller than you might like him to be, just it, it can't matter that much when he's so, so good at everything else. So he's still the top guy for me. He's the guy I expect to be the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers.
0: Awesome. Now, when it gets to Anthony Richardson, I don't think he gets past four. I think there's a lot of teams. Okay, we lost you for a second. Go ahead, keep going.
3: Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yeah, you know, there's with Stroud, teams are going to have to weigh: do I need a polished, do I need a polished and pro-ready guy now, or do I need somebody that in the future, you know, could have a higher ceiling? That's where you start to talk about Richardson. You start to talk about uh, Will Levis. Uh, and that's where those guys can come in, come into the conversation, right? So for Stroud, for me, it's Stroud at number two, especially if I need somebody immediately. But you can't argue with the ceiling with a guy like Richardson, even a guy like Levis. Hendon Hooker, I think, is the real wild card here. I know he's 25, a little older than you might like. He's got you know, the ACL from late last season he's going to be coming off of. But if you can be patient with him, he could end up being maybe the best value of the bunch.
0: All right, so I, I look at this, and I want to get into this. Luke Easterling joins us because – Richardson's the type of guy 10 years ago that would have dropped to the second round or third round. He would have been an experimental guy. And everybody wants to get their quarterback up and running quickly because of Josh Allen. I understand with Burrow and the great quarterbacks, you want to start them instantly. But parking a quarterback, the Raiders are at number 7. They'd like to get a quarterback. I really think they'd like to get one of these guys. And they have an early enough pick, but they'd have to trade up. And you look at other teams like Indy, I think Indy could trade back, but not too far if they want levis or richardson so do you think there's going to be a team outside the top four or five that comes flying in and gives up a lot to get one of these quarterbacks or do you just have the quarterbacks going the top four in order as teams wait for them early in the first five picks
3: yeah i don't know about the first four and and, and again if, if you're an indie at four and you're sold on one of these guys and he's there you can't trade down that it's just it's too important if, if you're targeting a quarterback, you don't move back to get him. It's too much of a risk. If you're convinced anywhere in the top 10, top 15, that you, you have a guy that can be a franchise quarterback, you have to take him at four. That's just the way, that's the way it is. So um, teams like Las Vegas, like you mentioned, team like Tennessee at 11, uh, depending on what they want to do with the quarterback position for the future, they could make a big move up the board. But it, it's all going to depend on what happens at two, right? If Houston takes Stroud, you know, then, then it becomes, okay, who's left? And, and does somebody want to jump ahead of Indy uh, at three with Arizona to get that next guy off the board so they can't take him, whether that's Levis or Richardson? Um, and if he does, and nobody does that, and Arizona just wants to stay put and take a guy like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, you know, Indy takes whoever their guy is, then it becomes, if it's if it's just Levis or if it's just Richardson, now it becomes, you know, does Tennessee need to jump ahead of, uh, of, of the Raiders? What do the Seahawks and the Lions do at 5-6? and They don't need a quarterback right now, but they're in perfect position with picks they got from other teams. They're not picking that high because they were bad last year. Perfect opportunity for a playoff team to grab a a quarterback of the future if they want Richardson or Levis there. So definitely going to be interesting to see what happens at 2 and how that impacts the rest of the top 10 and how those teams are able to maneuver to get those next quarterbacks off the board.
0: Luke Easterling, kind enough to join us, Athlon Sports. So uh, it seems like every mock draft consensus has Jalen Carter, the great defensive tackle with some off-field issues dropping to Seattle. I think that makes sense only because Pete Carroll has worked with trouble players his entire life, with Jim Brown, the Hall of Famer, in, in tough neighborhoods in Los Angeles. When he was at USC, even in Seattle, he's had some guys who were out there have dropped in the draft. He's fixed them and made them great players throughout the Legion of Boom. I think this is a great fit for him to be mentored Jalen Carter by Pete Carroll when we were talking maybe a month or two ago that Jalen Carter could have went number one, not number one so much, but two or three to Arizona or maybe number two to Houston here. Where do you have Jalen Carter dropping to in the draft?
3: Yeah, I mean before Chicago traded that pick, which we all expected them to do, but you know, at the time if they were gonna stay there it was Will it was Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Those were the two the two players. They are the two most talented players in this draft, I think. So, you know, I I do like the fit in Seattle for all the reasons that you mentioned, um, and also the fact that he fills a huge need. They need that player. They need that dominant, interior, explosive, disruptive, pass-rushing type of guy uh, at that position. It's just so rare to find a guy who does everything as well as Jalen Carter does at his size at that position. So, you know, I, I definitely like the fit there. I think he would be he would it would be best for him to end up a place in a place like Seattle with a coach like Pete Carroll, who, like you said, has, has been through this before and knows how to get the most out of these players. Be a great place for him to grow and learn, uh, and would be a great fit if he's still on the board. I fully expect him to be the pick there to Seattle.
0: Wrapping it up with Luke Easterling, he's got a great mock draft out. All of his work's at Athlon Sports. Uh, there's two really good cornerbacks: Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, and then out of Illinois, Devin Witherspoon. Uh, two guys after that, I think Porter Jr. is the next best guy. There's probably four corners that have a first-round grade here. Who do you have as the better cornerback going higher, Witherspoon or Gonzalez?
3: Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be determined by what teams want and or need from that position, right? If you can get over the fact that that Devon Witherspoon again, kind of like Bryce Young, he's a little bit undersized. He's not he's not short, but he's he's sub 185, so he's a little bit on the lean side, and you and you worry about maybe him handling the physicality at the nfl level can he hold up as a tackler uh in that sort of thing but in terms of the film i mean his film is is as flawless as i've seen from a a corner prospect in a long time he's got all the physical traits all the mental traits he's got great instincts great ball skills just a tough guy with great technique he's going to be an immediate um impact player so as long as you're cool with the size witherspoon would be my guy you know, the, the the flip side of it is that Gonzalez has just the, the the full package physically, right? He's got the size, the length, the athleticism, the ball skills transfer from Oklahoma, or, uh, from Colorado and just made a huge impact for the Ducks last year. Um, he, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes ahead of Witherspoon, just if, if some team's concerned about the size. But I love Porter Jr. I love uh, I love Deontay Banks from Maryland. Kansas mm-hmm. State's Julius Brent is a guy to keep an eye on. 6'3", 200 pounds. He could sneak into the first round after the combine he had and after the film he had at Kansas State.
0: And, Luke, finally, I don't know how you did it. You're one of the first content providers earlier today to put out how gambling suspensions may impact the Lions draft. The Lions have some new priorities on the draft weekend. After the news earlier today, that several of their players have been suspended for gambling. This is big. I don't know how you turn this around so quickly, but give it to us. The, the Lions are an up-and-coming team. They're excited in Detroit that they got the right coach. They got the edge rusher in Hutchinson. They got the quarterback in golf. How does this affect the Lions with the news earlier today?
3: Yeah, yeah, we got a heck of a team over there at Athlon. We're always trying to put things out that uh, the fans want to see and, and break it down as quick as possible. But for it, you know, for the Lions, you know, receiver depth was going to be a need in general but I didn't see them addressing that until day three, right? You get some guys in the later rounds to fill out the special team, some depth guys in case you have injuries. But, you know, now you're going to be without Jamison Williams for the first six games. You don't have Quintez Cephas at all. They cut him right after the news, right? So depth is an issue, but also those first six games, you're going to need starting caliber receivers on the board. So, you know, this is a team that picks at six at 18 twice again in the second round, so you've got plenty of ammo and I really think, you know, second round is really the sweet spot, I think, for the talent in this this receiver class. So wouldn't be surprised now with this development, whether or not that receiver need goes from a day three need to, hey, maybe we need to spend one of these second round picks and get a guy who can start right away.
0: Outstanding. Luke, appreciate the information. You turned it around really quickly here. Looking forward to your final mock draft. Thanks a lot for doing this. Really appreciate you.
3: Hey, my pleasure. Have a great week.
0: You too. Have a good weekend, Luke Easterling. That's all up there at Aplon. Did a nice job on that today. All right, busy show today. I can't wait to tell you about Vegas Golden Knights last night, man. Wife and I had a blast, but Raider Dave's been on hold, and he's a great caller and been very patient. Go ahead, Dave. We're a week out from the draft. A little bit shorter than that. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I think the NFL needs to make some kind of determination, or I need to listen better because I haven't heard anything. But that whole Brock Purdy and San Francisco deal last year, the talk was – Maybe they would allow these teams to go ahead and carry a fifty-fourth player as a quarterback, but they've got to make a determination
2: before draft day.
0: Yeah, I, they do have to, but that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, the, when breaking news happens before draft day and all that, I agree with you. But uh, there's a story that's picking up steam, Dave. You'll be hearing more about it. What do you like with the Raiders pick? I got a, I got a few minutes here. What do you What are you sensing, Dave? You follow this team really close. Where are they go in defense, or do you have uh, a big bold prediction?
3: I am praying that all the quarterbacks go so quick. The first four, bam, 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 bam. And then the Raiders have their plethora of defensive starters to go ahead and pick from and stay in seven.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. I I think that that's what's going to happen. I hope the Raiders stay at number seven. Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez, I'm fine with either one. And Detroit picks in front of them, and Detroit could easily take one of the corners. And Detroit could do that. And if they do do that, the Raiders will take the other one. I've said this before. I just said it about a week ago. I'll have my mock draft out on Monday. Uh, The JT, it's the third annual father and son mock draft, but I added my second son. And they're real good. My kids are good. They follow this stuff. They follow college football a lot more than I do. So we'll have that out on Monday. Uh, All I want to do, all I want to do is go out and get two first-round defensive picks. So, again, I'm on record saying that. And Vinny asked Dave that question today at the press conference about the ability to trade up in the first round and go again. And he answered that to the best of his ability. So I think if the Raiders stay at number seven and get a corner and then come back in and trade back up in and get a defensive tackle, I'm going to be good the rest of the way. I'm not going to sit here and I told you four picks. Four picks got to be starters. That might be a little bit aggressive. That might be more aggressive for some people to hear. Maybe people don't agree with that. My show, my opinions. I have strong opinions. My opinions are the Raiders have an opportunity here to upgrade the defense significantly. If they upgrade the defense significantly, the rest of the NFL media have to take into account how good their offense is. And then if the defense is vastly improved, maybe we won't have these knuckleheads sitting around on these other networks saying, "Oh, the Raiders are going to win four games. The Raiders are going to win five. The Raiders are rebuilding." They don't know the Raiders. They don't know that the Raiders got Robert Sculley and Marcus Epps, to start on defense. They don't know that. They haven't done their homework. They don't know who these guys are. They know they got Max Crosby. So if the Raiders get two more starters, that would be a defensive tackle and a cornerback in the first round or the first and early in the second round. Then the Raiders basically brought in four to five new defensive starters. Let that sink in. They already have defensive starters with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and Nate Hobbs. So you start taking the number 11 and and subtracting who they need and then add in five more, and then what more do you want? The Raiders' defense will be maybe one or two guys short of what you could dream of. Not dream of uh, being maximum great players. I don't know how good Spillane's going to be, and I know Epps is pretty good. But if they go take these three or four defensive starters early in the draft, then I'm going to pencil them in as starters. And then I'll go on Raiders radio and I'll say, here's the defense. What do you think? And we'll have two to three months to talk about the defense. And what, what will they be? One hole? What would the hole be? They'll have a maybe corner. Okay, well, they got five guys they just signed to play corner who are backup guys or, you know, starters who might be starters or be number twos. Will we need a linebacker? We might need two. So the linebacker position concerns me because every GM who's been around this organization for a long time just can't find out how to get a linebacker. we got to go get him in free agency. Got to go out there and get him like Denzel Perryman. And we really didn't do that other than Spillane, who I don't think is at the level of Perryman, and I hope I'm wrong. But I'm thinking cornerback defensive tackle. I put my name on it. It's probably not going to change by next Thursday when I anchor the draft with the great Eric Allen, with Lincoln Kennedy. That's Thursday of next week. We have specialty programming on Friday of next week. It's our Raiders draft special. So I just got uh, the notes from the Raiders on what my role will be. And we will be on next week from 3 to 5 p.m., the Raiders radio draft special live on YouTube at 9.20 a.m. And then on Friday, right after the first round from 2 to 4 p.m., It's the Raiders Draft Radio Special live on YouTube at 9.20 a.m. So that's what we're doing a week from now, Thursday and Friday. Coming up next, Raiders Roundtable. I always enjoy this. I think it's the best content that we can put on every week that I could be a part of from the Raiders. This week, it's Jesse Merrick from News 3LV. I thought he brought some great insight. And Lincoln Kennedy, and I want to tease this correctly. Lincoln's got some unique views on this draft, okay, and it's not defense. It's not defense, so it's worth listening to what Lincoln Kennedy has to say coming up next, and then we'll wrap up this final hour. Brought to you by Modello, the fighting spirit of Modello. I had breakfast yesterday with Alex and Orlando de Castaverdi. What great guys! Our personal injury attorney, 702 222 9999. Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Virgin Hotels, M Resort, The Local Laborers, 872. PTs.